Our text for today's message is taken from our gospel reading from St. Mark, the fifth chapter, with an emphasis on these words. While Jesus was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But, overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, fear, Do not fear, only believe. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Are any of you this morning suffering? And don't worry, I'm not looking for a show of hands. But are any of you suffering? Do any of you know pain? Have any of you been neglected, rejected, or forsaken by those around you? Have you perhaps for a long time borne an illness with no apparent end in sight to your ailment? Have you stood by, helpless, as someone who you loved and who you cherished deteriorated under an illness of their own? Perhaps even that illness gave way to death. Each and every one of you has carried some private pain, and while I cannot begin to know what those pains are, I can share with you today's gospel from St. Mark chapter 5 as a token and as a guarantee that no matter your suffering, your God does not withhold his mercy from you. Even though it feels like all the world's powers have rallied against you. For you see, dear friends, in this gospel story, we're introduced to three individuals suffering from great distress. Three individuals for whom all hope seemed lost to them when suddenly their encounters with Jesus of Nazareth changed everything. The first individual we meet in this gospel text is the ruler of the synagogue, a man named Jairus, who due to his standing in the Jewish community likely would have had a lot going for him. He would have had no shortage of resources or physicians to look and try to help his sick daughter. However, with all of these resources coming up short, in our gospel text, Jairus turns to the man whose reputation had preceded him, a man who was known as a miracle worker and as a faith healer, the wandering rabbi Jesus on whom Jairus now placed all of his hope. Secondly, we hear from the mouth of the leader the story of his daughter, who at the tender age of 12 was facing the end of her short life due to some unknown illness. This girl, old enough to know what was happening to her, but far too young to fully care for herself on her own, could only commend herself to her father's aid, trusting that he would do all in his power to see her be made well again. But her father was not a physician, and desperate for a remedy, we see him leave his daughter in her sickbed with her family and her attendants as her weary end draws nigh. Lastly, we meet the hemophiliac woman, the unseen face in the crowd who, in a desperate last-ditch effort to be healed, 
launches a plan to be made well through Jesus' healing. If she could only slip through the great crowd which followed Jesus, if she could but grab the hem of his garment, then surely the mighty power which accompanied the Messiah would prove sufficient to still the flow of blood which had so plagued her and which had left her all but dead, an outcast according to Jewish ceremonial custom. Three different people, all of them hanging on by but a thread, all of them seeking anything to deliver them from their cruel and mortal plight. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have ever been in this place, if you have ever been hanging on by but a thread, then you know that this is not the place you want to be. So it is for us, and so it was for those three individuals in our gospel reading today. They say that there is no greater pain in all the wide world than for a parent to have to bury their child. Now many of us here present today can attest to the fact that while we can do our best to cope with our own pain and our own mortality, it is far more difficult to see someone that we love be made to suffer, or worse, be given over to death before their time. Surely this is how Jairus must have felt when he approached Jesus in today's reading. Unable to bear the thought of losing his little girl, willing to do anything, give anything, suffer anything for her to be made well. When Jesus hears of this man's plight, he does not delay, but knowing that he can help, he bids Jairus lead the way to his home. But as they traveled, so also came that great crowd who had heard of Jesus, that crowd who had seen his signs and wonders and who were hungry to see more. Making their way past the throng of onlookers, Jesus feels something rather unusual. Some small part of his power goes out from him and into another. The woman who for 12 years suffered an uncontrollable flow of blood. The woman who had spent everything that she owned in a desperate search for a cure. At the touching of Jesus' robe, this woman received something unexpected for her. She immediately, not after a long while, but immediately, finds herself cured. But this miracle does not go unnoticed by the Lord, and she has no time to rejoice. For to her horror, she sees Jesus stop dead in his tracks, look about him, and then turn to address the crowd. Already well aware of what had happened, Jesus asked them, Who touched my garments? From Jairus' perspective, this must have been incredibly frustrating, for he knew that they were on borrowed time. For his little girl, time was of the essence, but Jesus, well, Jesus stopped, and he paused, and he searched the crowds. 
He wanted to see the face of one so bold as to reach for him in their illness. Seeing now that she had his attention, the woman came forward and confessed. She came forward terrified at the prospect of having to face one so mighty that by the mere touch of his cloak, she had been given that relief which so many doctors and so many treatments over the years had been unable to render. Certainly, she thought, that the man who had made her well with but a mere touch could, by a singular command, also make her unwell or worse. But still she came forward. Still she believed. And seeing her grief, her terror, and her faith, Jesus had pity. For though this woman interrupted him on the way to the important work of attending to Jairus' daughter, though this woman was all but a stranger to him, for they had not met before, still Jesus knew exactly who she was. For this woman, she was his daughter. She was one among millions upon millions whom he with the Father had spoken into existence. One among countless others, and yet he knew her. He knew her intimately, familially. He recognized her individual plight, and in that moment there was no other. For it was to her that Jesus spoke his word of absolution. Daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Well, by now, having been so set back by the crowds, it seemed that time was up for Jairus and for his little girl. For while they were still on the road, his servants came from his household and they intercepted them with the news that every parent dreads to hear. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Such callous words certainly shattered the world around Jairus. Jairus, who had placed all of his remaining hope, all that he had in Jesus. And now for all of that hope to have returned to him, seemingly null and void. Looking to the rabbi, Jairus might have expected some words of condolence or perhaps a reminder of the resurrection promised in the Holy Scriptures. But seeing his pain, Jesus does neither of these, but he gives him something unexpected. He opens his mouth and he says, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear. Do not fear. Friends, how in the world could Jairus not fear? How could he not fear for the coming days when he would be forced to place his daughter in an earthen tomb? How could he not fear facing his wife having to swallow his own pain in order to be a rock and comfort for her. 
How could he not fear? Stepping into his house where for 12 short years, the voice of his daughter rang out in play and laughter and song. Was Jesus truly so detached from what was happening that he could possibly mean what he said? Do not fear. Fear would have been all that was left to Jairus. He would have been nothing left but fear and anguish and despair. But still Jesus bid him follow. Still Jesus came with him to his house. And there, when they arrived, all of his worst fears were confirmed by the wails of the mourners which greeted them. His daughter was dead. And yet Jesus, still seemingly unaware of the gravity of what had happened, persisted. He addressed the onlookers, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. Friends, it does not take a physician to tell the difference between death and sleep. The little girl's heart had stopped beating. The girl's eyes would not open. Her lungs no longer drew in breath. The whole notion of what Jesus had said was so preposterous that the mourners for a brief moment forgot their grief. And in their shock and dismay, they turned to laugh at this carpenter's son who, it appeared, could not see what was so obvious to them, that this girl was indeed dead. But even at this mockery, Jesus remained undeterred. And taking only with him his disciples and the girl's parents, he entered the room inside the house where she lay. He knelt down by her bedside, and he took this little girl's hands, his little girl's hands, and untrembling, he commanded her, Talitha Kumai. That is, dear little girl, I say to you, arise, wake up from your sleep of death, and be well. And at these words, at his command, the girl opened her eyes and she saw clearly the face of her Savior. For this Jesus, this teacher, this carpenter's son, he is indeed the Messiah who has come to open the eyes of the dead. He is the one who has come to give healing to the sick, to preach good news to the poor, to give life to all who are gripped by fear and despair. This is him, and there is no other. And so I ask you again, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do you suffer this morning? Are you beset by so many and so great ills that you feel that you are hanging on but by a thread? Then I urge you, let that thread be Christ and him crucified. Let your thread be Christ Jesus who suffered, died, and rose again for you. 
Let your hope rest on none other than the only one who proclaims to you victory over death and the grave. In the midst of all life's burdens, do not fear, but believe. For by that belief, your Savior makes you well. By that belief, he bids you go in his peace. And as you go, so proclaim the wonders of God which you have seen and heard in this place. So proclaim the wonders of God, which did stop the flow of blood in the hemophiliac woman. The wonders of God, which did mend the broken heart of that faithful father. The wonders of God, which raised that little girl from death's sleep. The wonders of God by which you and I also will live, even though we die. The wonders of God, shown to us, In Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting. Amen.